And now it's time for the sermon. And our reading comes from First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. And the topic today is Lord, slow me down. Lord, slow me down. I hope you're all there. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. And I'll read. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves, you have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do all love the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, urge you brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Amen? We'll wel welcome Reverend Kasim, who's our preacher for today. So okay, let's, let's believe and pray for Reverend that you speak to us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning that you prepared your servant to speak to us. We don't take it for granted at such a time as this. We pray that, Lord, May you open up our hearts that we may be hearers and doers of your word. May you use him as a vessel, O oh God, to impact lives, O oh God, here and beyond, O oh God. And even the ones who are watching online, Jehovah God, we pray that they shall be impacted by this word in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. We do pray and we believe. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and all of you that uh, found time to come, we want to thank you so very much. Abenego uh, Kasimu. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior. I love um, walking with the Lord. And uh, even those that are watching us uh, online, in matatus, in homes, we also want to thank God for your welcome to today's uh, sermon. Uh, this uh, church now has uh, three services. We have uh, one service, which we call the family service, uh, gathered here. And we also have the youth service, which is taking place at the same time, the other side, and it's actually also doing well. Um, it's full. They are looking for, for seats. And we have a senior service that meets on Saturday uh, between 4.30 and, uh, and 6. But it's a, it's a unique service because it's mainly just studying the Word of God, and we've just begun a series in the book of uh, Revelation. Uh, going verse by verse, it's very interesting, um, and, uh, and we will see if in the days to come we can make it um, online, uh, because we really want it to be for the seniors uh, to be able to come with their friends and, uh, and have a fellowship together. Lord, slow me down, and we're discussing faith for working. Faith for working, Lord, slow me down. So when uh, Irene was reading, what came to your mind? How did you connect the verses that we read um, to today's uh, uh, title? Lord, slow me down. I read uh, when I was driving uh, along Mabasa Road and I saw uh, a breakdown, the towing uh, breakdown, that uh, said, that, uh, you know, read, we start where you stop. Anybody who has never seen something like that, you know, a breakdown is written, we start where you stop, which is true. Because if your car doesn't stop, then the breakdown, actually it was parked. So I left it there, waiting for me to stop so that they can start. And um, a vacuum cleaning company um, that I read the advertisement somewhere, they, they advertise their services by stating, we work so hard so you don't have to. We work so hard so they don't have to. But with a little adjustment, I think it might have fit to fit well as a slogan for some Christians in the ancient city of Thessalonica who, but, uh, 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 who appeared actually to, be, to believe that Jesus worked so hard that I don't have to. Just like the breakdown. Just like the vacuum cleaning company. We work so hard that you don't have to. They believe that Jesus has worked so hard, the finished work of the cross, that they don't have to. The Salonica was a very busy and rich uh, seaport within um, the province of Macedonia in Rome. 
and uh, it was densely populated with an estimated uh, population of uh, 100,000 uh, people in 50 AD. That was a long time ago, 100,000 in one city of Thessalonica. And they were very, some of their natural resources included uh, timber, grain, continental fruits, gold and silver. Uh, that's the literature that's telling us, although sometimes we argue that it's questionable because did gold and silver mining exist, you know, or operational um, in the first century um, after, after Christ? But uh, anyway, that's what the literature is uh, suggesting, that they were very rich with uh, mineral resources. The Thessalonica was also notably uh, pro-Roman and self-governing, and as such, uh, they enjoyed the status of a free city. Of course, with the population and the richness and the culture, they enjoyed the status of a free city. And as its citizens were Roman citizens, therefore, it was exempt from paying taxes or tributes to Rome. So many believed uh, the, the new way of living offered by Jesus was, uh, was a cause to abandon the old way of living that involved hard work. And so they became idle. They were idlers. And as we shall see, it is difficult to know exactly exactly why some Thessalonians were not working. Perhaps they mistakenly thought that uh, the promise of eternal life meant that life no longer mattered. But these idlers were living off the, la the, the, the largeness of the more responsible members of the church because the church was uh, mixed. There were those that were without and those that were with something because this was a big city. Everywhere you have... Uh, uh, an upmarket, you must have a slum. If you have Runda, then you must have a slum there because we are always together. There are those who need services and there are those who have services to offer, but they also need money. So uh, because of that, the church had people who were rich and those who were poor. And there was that, that thought that um, we can also, we are equal. So there was that notion that we are equal. Therefore, why should you own a Mercedes-Benz when I don't own a motorbike, and we are children of the Father, we are brothers and sisters, that which you have belongs to me. So they come to church, and they don't want to go working, and so they become idlers. So they were consuming the resources intended to meet the needs of these uh, genuinely, those genuinely unable to support themselves, yet they could do that. And they were becoming troublesome, and very argumentative. So that was, that was some of the, the, the things that you could actually see. They were troublesome in the church, and they were also argumentative. In his letters to the Thessalonians, Paul then would have none of this. He made it clear that Christians need to keep at their labors, for the way of Christ is no idleness, but service and excellence in work. This is what Paul is trying to do. So the apostle therefore addresses the problem of idleness and gives instructions. These are instructions which emphasize more on a social policy than a public policy. Don't worry about these two. Some aspects of a public policy, because public policy is about resources that belong to the public that need to be distributed equally. So politics, uh, politicians argue. Every time the politicians are arguing that we have no road, we are poorer, uh, we, this, this, this county is poorer, they're just talking about public policy, the policy that will uh, come up with programs that distribute the income that belongs to all of us equally so that one part does not get more than the others. That is public policy. And they have it that in the resources are in the hands of the government and should be equally distributed. But it benefits a beneficiary or recipient more than a benefactor. But there is a social policy which emphasizes a protection of rights and caring for each other, emphasizing hard work. And I think Africa excels very well in social policy. Because in some developed, highly developed countries, you find that people can sit at home and they are paid. And their rent is paid. And some people have to work so hard while others are idle and they expect to eat. 
And I think in the early years of African um, um, independence in some of the countries, there was a clamor for communism or, or socialism, such that uh, it's like, if you do not have much, let us share together. But Paul seems, Paul seems to go for, public, for social policy that even the others who have worked hard need to be protected. Don't just protect those who do not have. Protect those who have because they have worked so hard. And you needed that very clear in the church. So Paul's instructions to the church in Thessalonica seem to advise them to slow down. Slow down. Especially most of the Christians were saying, you remember we said this is a rapture book, and this is why later in chapter 4, actually after, after this uh, sermon, if we were to continue with Thessalonians, we'll talk about the rapture. Because they believed, they believed that uh, Christ has promised to go and come, for us. And he's coming any time now. Since he is coming soon, we are not going to die. We are not going to work. We are just going to wait for him. And he's a wonderful provider. And therefore, everybody sell your property. This is why the early church, you see, some of them, some of the reasons given why they were giving, um, uh, they were selling is because they believe that Christ was coming any time. Therefore, sell everything you have. Bring here. We eat, hugging one another, saying, praise the Lord. And enjoying even as we wait for the coming of the Savior. And you should not die. So when they started dying, they were wondering, so why? Where have they gone? Where have their souls gone? Because the master has not come. So Paul has written this to give instructions, telling them from chapter 4, especially we've said, live in holiness. Up to about verse 8. That's what we were discussing with Pastor Kakui last Sunday. Uh, live in holiness. So now he instructs them, slow down. And then uh, the next uh, part, which is from the 13 to 18, please look at tomorrow with a lot of hope. That you will die, but there will be resurrection, there will be rapture, and there will be reunion. Before then, he wants them to, to slow down from, from this hype of waiting for a Savior who is coming next week. Talking about heaven, which is coming down next week, slow down. Yes, speaking in tongues and everything, slow down. When I go, came to the Lord and I gave my life to the Lord, um, we, were, we were in a culture, the Pentecostal, the heavily, the heavily um, Pentecostal um, uh, thought, thought that we thought, we thought that was a Pentecostal. It is not. It is not Pentecostal thought. It's not like that was just mistaken. So we thought that um, we could not even go to school. Actually, we our performance went down the first, the first term um, when, we, when, when we gave um, our lives to the Lord. We believed in going for rallies. There was no need to do many things. In fact, in my mind, there was the notion that Christ would come soon. And I've seen some people, even introduction, we've gone for meetings, and those who feel too, too much in the spirit, too much in the spirit, um, and then we would say, what, what is your name? My name is Abednego. Another one would say, my name is <coughs> Jonathan and Jonathan. And um, it is like, it's, like, it's like these are the pronunciations of the heavenly language. Jonathan Christine. You know, and then and the, the Paul is telling the brethren, 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 slow down. And therefore, even as we slow down, please observe, if you are going far, if you are going any far in this Christian journey, there are four lessons, four instructions that Paul is giving them. Slow down, waiting for the Savior's return, and address key issues in our Christian living, and let us study them. There are four. One of them, in verse 9, you are called to love. Or rather, you are called to charity. Number two, you are called to tranquility. Or you are called to peacefulness. Number three, you are called to industry or to hard work. And number four, verse 12, you are called to honesty. So we are studying these three things and how, how Paul uh, brings them. It's easy. I mean, it's, these are not complicated words. But let's go faithfully to the word of God. What did he mean when he talked about love? So he, he beseeches us to, uh, to brotherly love, which is love, which is charity. And therefore, the idea is that as you continue in this journey, invest in brotherly love. Invest in brotherly love. You might have to invest in land. You might have to invest in other things. But invest more 
brotherly love. We don't choose or wait to be told. That is why he says, we don't have to tell you. We don't have to tell you, you must embrace brotherly love. You don't need to wait. You don't have to be told by the pastor or by your uh, growth group leader. You must. These are instructions to obey. If we are going to be called obedient, faithful Christians, these are things we must obey. Obey this idea, embrace and invest in brotherly love. Love one another with genuine love. God already taught us love. This love has come from God. Paul remembered Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13, which says, During time of Messiah, or during Messianic time, the Holy Spirit will draw people to just love. Just loving brethren for no reason. It was harder then during the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, now in the New Dispensation, because this is Messianic time, that we have already received the Messiah and believed in the Messiah who has redeemed us. Now we are children of the Father. Because of that, we are expected to just love more. To love more now than they loved before. And we obey. Now it is easy. That time it was tit for tat. If you love me, I love you. If you come to help me, I come to help you. If I am bereaved and you come to my house, I come to you. But this is different now, brethren. We love just like that. We stand with one another just like that. Even if they failed us the other day, we, this is who we have become. God taught us love. Show divine love, this is the idea. This love comes from God himself as a free divine gift. He loved us when we were not lovable, just like that. I remember the song, God, love lifted me. I don't know. Uh, love, love lifted me. Love just lifted me. Nothing else could help. I was not lovable. In fact, do you know there are some brethren who are not lovable? Even after you have lived with them for a long time. I think there was a, there was a Swahili, uh, uh, that was secular, but it, it could apply. There are people who are not lovable. You love, not lovable. You show love, you go show them love, not lovable. They don't even know how to say thank you. They don't know how to appreciate. But you know what? This was for the Old Testament. Today, just love. We've become loving machines. In the new dispensation, we just love. We just love. And you know what, Brother Emmanuel? You have no choice. You have no choice. You just love me. Even when I have not had a chance to visit your home. But you have no choice. You love me by force. Because ever since we received Christ, we have been taught to love one another. But the idea also here, under the first point is that we must express reciprocal or reciprocal love. Okay? I have said that he must love me. Even if I don't show to appreciate your love. But there is also a point for the receiver of the love. Show, express reciprocal love. Christ himself planted the fruit of love the day we received his love. We have become divine loving machines, as I have said. And this love, therefore, must be expressed and freely given. This love must be given. If we have to show that we now know Christ, then we are becoming loving machines. We just love and love and love. And the degree to which we feel loved determines how we may love the church and the brethren. We don't love secretly. We don't love secretly. We love publicly. Let people know you love them. Express your love. There is a time I was uh, managing a, a big campaign for Kenya for abstinence from sex for young people. And uh, because uh, Valentine's Day is usually uh, very controversial, by the way, it's very hard for me to wish you happy Valentine's Day uh, just blindly like that in church here, except for a couple. Because the story of Valentine's is just a very crazy one. So we, we made sure that uh, we had some funding. So we bought rose flowers and we got young people in major cities, Kisumu, Nairobi, Machakos, Mombasa, everywhere. We got them to just go to the streets. 
dressed red in red, and they had rose flowers, and they went everywhere to look at the lady who was not dressed in red, meaning that she was not ready for Valentine's Day that day. So they went with the flowers, the young people, and say, oh, here you are, happy Valentine's Day with Jesus Christ, he loves you. And it was rich, especially around the University of Nairobi and some colleges down there, I think uh, Moy Avenue. It was very sweet. You just let people know you love them, and especially the love of Christ. In the evening, we had organized a big gathering that people would come, the ones who were not going out in the evening, they would come and we would have a music extravaganza talking about the love of Christ, the best lover of all times. Experience all-encompassing love. This is what verse 10 seems to suggest. That you already love, brethren. He said that we already know that you love. But I urge you to do more and more. The idea of being sensitive to others is the evidence of all-encompassing love. It is loving that shares concern. And especially now here, the concern for privacy. The concern for self-esteem. The concern for respect. Please, I want to, to, to uh, emphasize this one. Please don't tell me you love me if you don't care what I feel. If you love me, you care for my comfort. This is why, 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 why have churches stopped wearing masks? I mean, brothers and sisters, I'm not judging anybody. But why? Why did we stop wearing masks? Even fellow pastors, why? Why should we stop? If we are leaders, we care for one another. In Nairobi Baptist churches, we insisted on wearing masks. If you love people, you care for them. You care for their health. You care for their comfort. Then this is what Paul seems to talk about. Loving shares concern. But you are also called to peacefulness or to tranquility in verse 11a. Part A. And there is the effort for a quiet life. Please listen to this. Are you um, there on your Bibles, uh, verse 11? Do you see that uh, put an effort to lead a quiet life? Make it your ambition, a very firm goal to live a quiet life. We're not talking about personality that you are naturally a quiet person. We're talking about the effort that if you, it was evaluation, you'll be evaluated for the effort you've made. Let it be very deliberate that you want to live a quiet life. Seek inner satisfaction which brings contentment, which Paul says that piety with contentment is a great gain indeed. Psychology tells us that the level of inner satisfaction may determine how talkative or quiet we are. Did you hear that? The level of inner satisfaction may determine how quiet or talkative you are. They seem to suggest, you know, we always say that people suggest, disciplines just suggest, except theology, except the Bible, which, which directs everything else is uh, suggestions. Because the theories. Now, they seem to suggest this. The people who are satisfied inside tend to be quiet because they are satisfied they have nothing to say. They don't say many things. But the people who are empty, Empty, they feel empty. They have some emotional issues. Empty, they are very empty. They tend to talk a lot, to take a lot to make up for the problems inside. They will become a chatterbox. A chatterbox because you are sick inside. You are empty. You have a problem. This is why you are blah, 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 so that you fill up because life is becoming too hard. So they suggest that those who are very satisfied, those who are content with what they have, not because they are rich, but the, their attitude is that I am okay with what I have, and I am okay with who I am. Most likely, they will not talk much. Please, Sijakushtaki, I am not saying that uh, the more you talk, the more we should judge you to be very empty. But please, also, also be careful that we don't, we don't get to there. There is a danger of unnecessary interactions. A multitude of, 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 of words may emerge when you talk much. Paul seems to tell them that. What is this? You remember? They were very argumentative. They were very idle. Because of idle, idleness, they were argumentative. There was a lot of idle talk because they were idle. 
So he seems to say, in a multitude of uh, many words, you remember? Uh, the wise man says that there might be a sin. So tame your tongue. This is what also he says in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. This is not the, this is not the last time he's talking about it. He's very serious about quiet life, peacefulness, tranquility. He also says again, telling Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2, 1 to 2, First of all then, I urge that entreaties or beseeching, prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. For the kings and all who are in authority in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness a dignity. Show me a church that is going far, but I will show you a church where there is peace. There is no idle talk. There is no gossip. Show me a church which has started a gossip. Show me a church which unfortunately got an agent. An agent of worship. I mean, an agent of um, gossip. Someone who has a big mouth gets into the church. A spirit of gossip gets into the church. That person recruits two people, five people in the youth ministry, problem. Men ministry, problem. Music ministry, everywhere. The spirit of gossip will kill the kingdom work. So Paul is talking about leading a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So that was the idea of the point of being quiet, but there is also the essence of being quiet. When Honorable Mutai Kagwe of Kenya here told people to stay at home, he said, stay home, stay home. When he said that, he meant what? He meant avoiding unnecessary dangerous interactions. Paul means stay home. That's what he means. Stay home in this life. In the Christian journey, he means stay home. Not staying home, the literal home. But stay home in your heart. Be at rest. Don't be self-elevating. Don't be self-seeking. Stay home in your heart. Even the, the dressing. Ask the Lord to slow you down. Slow you down. When we are going for missions, sisters and brothers, Lord, slow you down. High heels are not required in a mission, mission work. Although high heels are very comfortable for you, they are very strategic for you, but there are times, slow down. Too many things if we are going to work, too many watches and too many rings, even for us as brothers and sisters, slow down. Anything that you think you're using it to move too fast, ask the Lord to slow you down because the essence is that be at rest, stay home. Don't be self-elevating. Don't be self-seeking. This may not help you to go very far. The essence is therefore respecting others and letting them be. But there is the effect of being quiet. In your spiritual walk, slow down from many things and be calm in this life. It brings honor in the eyes of a community and it pleases God. That's the idea. The essence or the outcome of a quiet life is honor and a please. Honor and pleasing God. The third thing that Paul is telling the Thessalonians is, you have been called to industry. You've been called to hard work there. They are part B of, of, of verse 11. He says, be busy. Be busy with your own things. To be busy with your own affairs, this is what he says. It means not meddling in the affairs of others since you love and respect them. Because, Mama Maya, why should I? Why should I be so concerned about your affairs and it may not be for good? Because sometimes I'm concerned about you but not for good. Why do you want to dig into Jesus' life and it may not be for good? Sometimes you become too much. Show me a church that is going places. Show me a church that is growing and I'll show you a church that does not meddle in other people's affairs. The social policy here is that stay in your lane 
and allow the society to have order. That everybody stay in your line. Stay where you are and the society will have order. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 17. What does it say? It offers a very good advice about not overstaying. One's welcome. But also touches on the importance of keeping out of other people's business. By the way, did you know that? Did you know that? The Bible says that if you, if I, if, 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 uh, if you go to Ken, Ken Othiambo's home and you have uh, agreed it is for two hours, please just be there for two hours. Please. Please, especially, especially the church in the city. No, in the, the, in the rural areas where my, my mother is, we have all the time. But the city has many things. Paul talks about the per perils, the perils of the city. If you have gone to visit the Carichos for three hours, they, they will not chase you. But please, the Bible says, do not overstay. Do not overstay. It is foolish. Now, the problem is, the problem is if you overstay, Ken will not chase you, but you are making, you're, 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 you're bringing problems to Ken because he's likely to, to call you a fool inside himself. Yet he wants to live a quiet life, a life that has no judgment. But why should you come that I am preparing a sermon for tomorrow? And you say, I've just passed by, Pastor. Okay, pass by, you're passing by. I'm just, you can see my Bible, you can see my computer, I'm, I'm actually in prayer, you've passed by, and then you stayed, and we stay for another seven hours, when the entire church is waiting for tomorrow, oh, I, I cannot chase you, but you know you are likely to make me think you are a fool, now you brought problems to me, to start judging you as a fool, why did you not just go, so that I remain clean and holy, I don't have to judge you to be a fool, yet for sure you are a fool. Therefore, the evidence of transformation by the gospel is sensitivity and alertness, lovingly allowing others to be promoting, to be, to be what they are, and you promote privacy. So Paul told the Thessalonians to be quiet and to be hardworking. Now, the, other, the next thing about working is to be busy with your own hands. Industry is that why do you have all the time to go to people's homes. But please, brethren, let us go to people's homes, but don't overstay. Please don't refuse to go to people's homes, but do not overstay. Number two, please, you might not find a lot of time all the time. Why? Because you should be busy with your own hands. The Salonians had become foolish. They were sitting down to wait for their, for their Savior to come. The poor, especially widows, took it as their right to be fed daily and taken care of. The community disrespected church and Paul wrote a letter quickly to correct this to gain honor this is what he wanted them to know to gain honor and, and position yourself as a preacher of the gospel because each one of us here is a preacher of the gospel I don't like it when in a church you say I am a congregant in our Baptist church no you are a minister in this church I serve in this church I feel it nice when you say, oh, I serve in Nairobi Baptist Church, Ongatarongai. My sister, when you've come to this church, that is the idea. You say, I serve in Nairobi Baptist Church, Ongatarongai. Why? You find something to do in the church. You find some seats to arrange. The things you do in the church that we are disciples, we don't just come and stay. We serve in the church. Therefore, since you are preachers of the gospel, you need honor and you need to position yourself that way. The society must respect you. They will not respect an idler. When you are looking for assistance from everybody all the time, the society will never respect you. I grew up when I gave my life to the Lord in the hands of a pastor who went everywhere. He went everywhere. I saw him going everywhere, borrowing food. He did not want to cultivate land. He had a big piece of land. I knew the land. But he went everywhere, everywhere, until the church was very nice. The church was Pentecostal Assemblies of God, PAG. Very nice that time, that time, very great church. Even now, very great church. That particular one, the local church was very great. But people started calling it that church of so-and-so. They disrespected him. Everywhere that he went, people thought he was coming to ask for money for food, for, or money to take tea. Just for a cup of tea, going asking people, give me the man of God money for tea. I take tea in the restaurant. As if if you don't take tea, you will die. You need honor. 
Wherever you are, do not be quick to go borrowing. Do not be quick to be seeking help unless you totally deserve. The spirit of dependency, you get into a problem they call the, the helpless disorder. The spirit of dependency will fall upon you if you are so quick to ask for help. This is what Paul is telling them. A parasite Christian looks up to a man instead of up to God. Do not become a parasite Christian. But I thank God for this church. When we were distributing food during the very hard times of Corona, we actually shared our food here within ourselves. But after a very short time, the food remained in the store. Even now, we still have some little food in the store. The people in this church were very honest to say, I used to get, but now something has come. Let me try this. If it becomes hard, I can still come. Actually, food, we are to stop food coming from the headquarters, from the love box. Because brethren in this church were honest. Because you, you, you just received food because you needed it. You did not take advantage that there was food in the store. And this is the essence. This is different from the churches in Thessalonica and other places. A parasite Christian looks up to a man instead of up to God. If you depend on men, you will stop depending on God. Live within your means, that's the idea. And jealousy or gossip will never catch up with you. Sorry today, today's sermon is harsh. It is not me, it is the mood of the, of the scriptures. The mood of the writer who is Paul is that he was very stern to Thessalonians. I have to be faithful uh, to, to, to the mood. So he was very stern. I'm being very stern and being very candid. The idea is that do not be a parasite Christians. Because if you become a parasite Christian, you look up to people who give you instead of God. And you might continue like that forever. Live within your means and jealousy will never catch up with you. Even gossip will never catch up with you. Live within your means. Please don't worry about your clothing. Don't worry about clothing. Do not worry about how people are dressed. Don't worry about cars. Don't worry about cars. If you have no car, there's not a problem. Do you know how much? How much when a car, when my car breaks down, do you know how much I envy the person who is just walking? So you, you have no problem. You have gone home. My car has broken down here. It is 6 o'clock in the evening. The spare part cannot be found. I don't know who will take care of the car. I don't know what will happen to me tonight, but you are free. You have gone home. Do you know how much it costs to repair a car? Do you know how much trouble, even how much money we pay insurance? Don't think it is easy. Don't think it is just a nice thing to have a car. And therefore, if you have no car, don't worry about it. If you have no this, don't worry about it. Live within your means. If you get 10,000, if you get 100,000, live within your means. Even the pastors, live within your means. So that you do not become a problem to the others. We see Paul talking about tent making and doing many things so that he takes care of the congregation. So that the congregation does not carry a burden. Because if you love people, then you don't want to burden them. If you love the church, don't bring problems to the church when you don't need help. If you need help, then come to the pastor. And you can be helped. But if you don't, and you come, then the problem will be the spirit of dependency could catch up with you. So therefore, remain thankful for what God has given you, whether physical or emotional. Just live within what God has given you. And there was a problem now. The last thing was, you are called to honesty. You are called to honesty. He talks about walking. There is the path of honesty. There is also the place of honesty. And finally, there is the profit of honesty. The place of honesty or the path, the path of honesty is walk. Progressively, we learn the discipline of truthfulness. Tamed tongues, self-dependence, takes out mischief and breeds honesty. When you tame your tongue, you stop speaking too much anytime you want. And when you become self-dependent, except depending on the Lord, you take out mischief. Because the more you want to depend on people, the more mischievous you become. Because you have to look for stories on how to get things. You have to come lying to the church. You have to come lying to the neighbors. So you look for words. You become a, you become a mischievous person. But when you become self-dependent, 
When you tame your tongue, mischief goes and honesty comes in. We become people of honor and reliability that people can trust in you. Our walk and talk is that of honor. We command honor to our direction. Our walking and way of life, even ministry, isn't manipulative or sinister. So that whatever you do is not our sinister motive. You are not looking for political power. You are not looking for influence. There are some people who cannot do good if they are not known. But in this church, I know what we do. When we bless, we bless like this. And people don't have to know. And sometimes you tell us, please don't even say, because I know I have a contract with God. You are not doing it so that you may be recognized. This is what we have been called to do. There is a place of honesty which is without. The place of honesty is a clear inner eye that sees a need of others. Do not go wasting money, by the way. Do not go wasting money on those who come to misuse your resources. This is the idea. This is the idea, uh, Ben, because uh, do not, by the way, it is not, don't think that it is only Christian when you have to go giving your resources which belong to your children. God has given you resources for yourself and your children. You tithe to the church, you give to the church programs, but people don't have to come to eat your, your resources. You only give when the Lord has convicted you. You only give when the Lord has shown you the, a need. You don't remove your, your wallet to go giving to people. That is generosity that is not wise. The Lord knows what he has, he has plans for you tomorrow. He might be having a needy person on the way and you give the wrong person. So I am not training you to be mean, but I'm training you not to be wasters of resources. Do not waste money on those who do not, who misuse other brethren. Unless you politically want to be a pleaser of people. But do not close your eyes on clear needs that the Lord is showing and urging you to, to address. Those without are not your responsibility, but an opportunity to show God's love. Did you hear that? That Jijo, you know we can never play God. Those who don't have things are not our responsibility. They are not your responsibility. You have a responsibility, you and your wife. You can never play God. And if you help one, a hundred will come. A thousand will come. You'll never do that. Those who are without are not your responsibility. However, God will touch you. God, it, is their, it is the responsibility of God who will touch you and show you when to help. So the, the honesty is where God himself points to your honest heart. So the last thing is the profit of honesty where you lack nothing. You lack nothing because the profit of honesty is that you get to a point of lacking nothing. You lack guilt of omission. Things that God showed me to do and I delayed or I disregarded. Omission. This, this morning as I was revising the sermon, I wept. And then my family came uh, before I could finish weeping, so I, I felt very bad because they shouldn't have seen me uh, weeping. Uh, they are likely to have thought that uh, I was terrible to other things. But I wept. I wept and cried as I remembered how I failed to help a certain family near where I grew up. When I grew up with all the problems and God gave me income, I forgot. I forgot a certain young man who came for help. I promised to help and I forgot and I went. When I met with that young man later, he was a very successful. He was doing exams and passing very well. When I asked him whether he had finished college, he told me, oh, you forgot. I was the only hope in the village to help him, but I forgot. I wonder what he would have become. Yet I was in the same predicament. I did not have school fees. I didn't have anything. And somebody remembered me and took me to school. Why did I forget? I felt very bad. I wept this morning. Very many tears. Because the thing is, if you live well and you observe these rules, you will lack nothing. If your honest heart, if your heart is honest with God, when he tells you to help, you can help and you do not delay, then you will lack nothing. You will lack the guilt of omission. The things that God showed you to do and you did not disregard. Then you also lack the guilt of commission. The things you shouldn't have done, yet you did. 
The things that you knew very well you shouldn't have done. Yet, you did. You probably caused a family to fall. You knew you didn't have to. But the sin of commission. The things you shouldn't do. Yet, you did. You shouldn't have broken someone's heart. You shouldn't have broken the hearts of believers and brethren in your home group fellowship. You didn't have to say those things that you said. You didn't have to, say, to, to do those things you did. Look what you have done. You will live guilty. So make sure that you slow down so that you do not omit and you also do not commit. Finally, you shall walk free in this life, looking up to God alone and joyfully. Lord, slow me down. May the Lord slow you down and, re and revive your spirits to live according to the high calling Christ has given you. May the Lord give you grace and power to live a complete package of love, peacefulness, industry, and honesty. Even as we say, Lord, I take a closer walk with you. Lord, Walk with me and walk with me. Please stand up together. Examine your life. And just offer a prayer either loudly or silently as the music now sings slowly. Oh, yes, Lord. Lord, draw me closer to thee in this life. While I breathe, Lord, take me closer to you. While I still have my tendons, Lord, draw me closer to you. Because there is nowhere else that there is life. This world has nothing good to stand and look at. Filth, deceptive, Lord, draw me closer to you. Make fit within your calling. The high calling of holiness. The high calling of productivity, Lord. Cause me not to stand ashamed. The judgment day. The Lord, I will stand with before you without nothing. Nisimameji mbeleza buwana sinakitu chakumfa. Bila hata natunda moja. How will I stand before the Lord? Without even a fruit, without even a person that I brought to the Lord. When people are sinning, when people are running away from you, when people are lost, they don't know that there is hope in you. How will I stand before you, Lord, if I am not held by you and enabled by you, that I may become productive? Therefore, Lord, do not allow me in this life to be unproductive, non-productive. Hide me close to you. Hide me close to you. We are feeble, we are weak, but Lord, you are strong. Strengthen us, dear Lord, that we don't just wait for your coming like the Thessalonians, but we will be productive. That we will be busy serving in the church, serving in families and serving in the communities, Lord. The Father, you will look back and say, my servant, welcome home. May it please you, Lord, that this week shall be a week of victory for us. Let us lift our hands even as I just say a prophetic prayer to you, children of the Father. You ministers of the gospel, whom the Lord loved you so very much and called you by your name. He overcame us and we said yes. We said yes to his invitation. We've come to him. You children of the Father, the Lord loves you so very much. The Lord has need of you. The Lord has strength for you. The Lord has healing for you and he has money for you. He has breakthrough for you. He has a future for you. He has a place for you in heaven. He has a place for you even in your failures now. May the Lord renew you today. May the Lord slow you down in Jesus' name. 
May the Lord hear your cry. If you are here and you are giving your life to the Lord, may the Lord receive you in Jesus' name. If you are backslidden and you are coming back to the Lord, may the Lord receive you home. Welcome home, dear brother. Welcome home, dear sister. Welcome home. We are missing you. We need you. Even as you make a decision to follow the Lord afresh, may the Lord receive you. Those that are feeling that you've run away and you're feeling that you are running too fast in the things of this world, Concentrating too much on your wealth. Concentrating too much on your beauty and many things of this world. That the Lord is telling you, slow down and become a loving machine. A productive machine. A, a peaceful person. And a honest person. Even the sins of omission and commission, may the Lord wash you clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. May you walk fresh because there is no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. And even as we walk out of this chair service today, may the Lord show his face upon you. May the Lord give you victory on Monday. May the Lord remind you of his goodness on Tuesday. May no harm catch up with you on Wednesday. May the cases that are leveled against you, spiritual or physical, may the Lord fight for you because he's a great advocate. May Friday come with a smile that the Lord has watched over you. Even on Sunday, may the Lord fight all the wars for you and the battles because he fights for us. Every spirit of darkness around your, around your, around your life, any unnecessary suffering and anxiety. We come against this in the name of Jesus Christ. Every weapon that is fashioned against you, we command it to cease, to cease in Jesus' name. Cease fire. Cease fire in Jesus' name. Except the suffering that has come, that is allowed by the Lord to chasten you. Unnecessary, unnecessary suffering. Those that come from covenants from hell, covenants from enemies. We disconnect you from the same in the name of Jesus Christ and the living God. And we declare you are free because that those that Christ's son has made free, you are free indeed. You are free from demonic invasion in Jesus' name. You are free from unnecessary sicknesses in the name of Jesus Christ. And this may become yours. Take it by faith in the name of God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Amen. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.